0: Madam Vice President. You
2: want to hang out with us and get your vaccine.
0: vaccine,
3: vaccine. And so I went to human
0: resources. There's some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches SUP Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will.
1: Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. <laughs> I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Lily Tamares. And this is the Betches SUP Podcast, where C-SPAN meets group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. When you're listening to this, the summer is coming to a symbolic end and it is Labor Day week. What a summer.
4: Yeah, well, what, I mean, so spoiler alert, we're pre-recording this, but when this comes out, I will be on my honeymoon. Elise will be Ooh. a
3: wife. I
4: will be wifed up. I'll have put a ring, a second ring on top of the first ring. To close the rings, exciting stuff. Lord of, <laughs> the, of the Rings. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I will be a Lord of the Rings by the time this comes out.
1: <laughs> big promises, big promises. So, in honor of Labor Day week, we wanted to talk about work today. Um, it's something I've been thinking about. It sort of feels like it's been in the air between you know Simone Biles. Um, making a real, real boss moves at the Olympics. That's her job. The pandemic has really challenged how a lot of people view work and what they're willing to accept. So it's tangential to what we normally talk to. Obviously, if a lot of policies were better, uh, work wouldn't be as anxiety producing for a lot of reasons <laughs> from insurance to child care. So it is related. It is on mm-hmm. brand. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Yes. I didn't
1: mean to start with this question, but this question is all about Millie because both of you <laughs> Make a living in maybe vaguely similar ways. I mean, neither of you—you you both have lots of jobs that you have to mm-hmm. keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, I guess you have some primary sources of income with your various projects. But Millie, I feel like the typical trajectory is like people start in comedy or acting, and then they give up because it's too hard, or they—they they don't feel like they've made it, and then they maybe go into the corporate world. You've kind of, you kind of did the opposite, right? You started off with a more like traditional work situation at companies and then stopped or left, it seems, to pursue writing and comedy. Can you like tell us about your professional path?
3: Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> that was stupid. No, no, no. I think like... I think
1: it's fit for a premium cable 12 episode series, honestly.
3: Well, I think that, you know, I think it all came from like... um it was like a lot of things, right? Like where I went to school, there was not really like a performing arts degree. And I didn't really see like, even in my neighborhood, like where I grew up, like there were not a lot of examples of people who like left and went to school, you know? So it was already like an outlier to go to college, out of state and like whatever. And then even from there, I had no examples of like actually working artists that, you know, it kind of seems like you know, what's the point of, of doing a creative career if, you know, you're going to be broke, which is the whole reason why you went to college in the first place, right? That was kind of my thing. And I actually applied to Columbia College in Chicago, but I don't, I don't know if I ended up applying, but like, yeah, it just didn't seem like a viable career option. And I actually like I, in college I was um taking the LSAT. I wanted to be a lawyer and like studied for it and everything. And I, I got I got like an a pretty not great score. You, you did know? take
1: the test. Wow. I took
3: the test and I almost was gonna retake it. But then I was like, it was so I just thought like, oh yeah, like I should do something that's worthy or valuable to society, or I should try to like bring, you know, and it was very much like people in my college, they all want, you know. At least while we were in school, they were all talking about, like, I want to work in the UN. I want to work for Amnesty International. I want to do Peace Corps. It was very much that kind of college. It was very global and people spoke multiple languages and it was very international and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, even though I enjoyed my whole thing was like, I want to be a lawyer so I could be a judge so I could have my own judge TV. (laughs) (laughs) And And you do now. (laughs) And you worked around that. I went around that. But then but then, yeah, after, you know, I guess it was just trial and error of like, oh, um, with, when I didn't when I hit an obstacle with law school, like where I didn't get a great score and I wasn't getting into good schools or anything, I was like, OK, it seems like I'm going to really have to work at this. Like, I'm going to really have to work hard at this. Is this really what I want to work hard for? And the answer was no. So I was like, okay, let me try something else. And I tried nonprofit, and I was like, okay, this sucks. And then I tried, (laughs) and then I did. So then, when I got into like the corporate world and marketing, I was like, okay, but you know, I was in New York. Like I didn't have that many friends, and I always enjoyed like going to comedy shows. And I would, you know, go to UCB stuff. And then I got the diversity scholarship. And yeah, I was, you know, I was like a receptionist making like $13 an hour and working, you know, going after after work to like improv stuff. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening was gradually as I started like feeling less, you know, like less fulfillment at work or just like discovering that, you know, I, I found more fulfillment and more community in comedy and more of like this is like the pillar. And then when I started not started getting good, but, like, I always found fulfillment, but then, yeah, like, that high that I experienced when I would get, like, a good show or something, yeah, and then, like, it stopped, it, it really helped me, like, soften the blow of, like, corporate shit of, like, when my boss is a dick to me, or when I got fired, or this and that, like, I always had comedy, and then, I got fired from an agency like in 2015. And then that's when I was like, you know, I'm going to really try to do this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's been like back and forth and all this stuff, but yeah, it's really just at the center of it was like, it started out as a hobby and gradually more and more became a passion. And then, you know, like when I fail in comedy, which happens, you know, when I get rejected, I don't get cast in something. I don't get this job or even like in the writing jobs that I get, I'm treated like shit or I, you know, my things don't go up. Like mm-hmm. it's never like, a, am I going to quit? It's just like, I can accept it. And, 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 you know, I'm like, well, I still get joy and fulfillment from this thing. Um, yeah. So I'm going to keep doing it. Whereas like other careers, I was like, I hate this. I'm
1: never going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm they like, like criticize cool. you. And it's like, I don't even, this is pointless. Yeah. yeah. Like this is nothing to me. So yeah. At least I, I feel like being go. in in high school in DC era, you probably have a lot of like do-gooders who were like expected to do like the lawyer path too. I feel like well, us and probably half sure. of the people listening to this podcast were considered law school. You, could, you took it farther than I ever did. <laughs> oh
3: geez. Yeah. <laughs>
4: I mean, a lot of kids from my high school went to law school or went to like, I don't know, do like political stuff just because it's DC area world, but um I don't know. It's it's really spread out. But yeah, I mean, I do think that a lot of people from my area end up working in government in some way because they will go to a Virginia school and that'll Mm. kind of funnel you into a
1: government. This is like at least like you do work in government, like a lot of people read the newsletter, like. You you you're you like work little, in politics for sure. Yeah, you work for you in government. Sure. You work in, in politics. Media,
4: yeah. I guess yeah, I never like I never know how to like qualify myself as like cuz really my main job is that I'm a comedian and I'm an actress, but I also do, you know, we talk about politics on this podcast and I write this newsletter and so I do have like responsibilities to (laughs) you know put information that is correct or correct information that is wrong like so it's kind of I live in this I feel like I live in this weird like I guess like John Stewarty world where like you do have a responsibility and you are doing like journalism light Mm -hmm. and like you talk about things that are serious and you have to take them seriously while also primarily seeing myself as a comedian
3: I would, f- I would say that it's even, like, a more, I mean, you're, you know, not a journal, whatever, but, like, it is, like, a more nuanced, difficult skill to, like, you know, be able to tell people what's going on in the world and then try to, like, not make light of it, but, like, find a comedic angle, which I oh, think, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah.
4: It, and it's tough because, like, There definitely are people who just object to the idea of joking about the news. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And so (laughs) there are times sometimes where I'll get a message. Who's like, "Who's like, you you can't like say jokes about this. And I, cause I always like make sure that the subject of my joke, you know, it's that thought of like not punching down. Like I Mm -hmm. make sure that even if I'm talking in a joking way about a serious subject that I'm never like making fun of the victim of that Total. or whatever yeah. but sometimes I get a message where I'm just like okay so you just object to like satirical mm-hmm. portrayals of the news <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is what this is so Ugh. you know what I guess you shouldn't sign up for this newsletter like yeah. if that upsets you and it doesn't you don't like that okay but then this maybe is not
1: for you
2: yeah Yeah. it's definitely a weird a weird spot to be in
1: So Simone Biles recently set an example of basically choosing not to sacrifice herself for her job. I was curious if either of you have ever like walked away from a professional opportunity because of the potential impact on your mental health, emotional health, or you just knew that it wasn't going to be worth it. Well, while recognizing that like being able to walk away is usually a privilege.
4: Um, I would say that like, I was always like nervous to quit things, so I would just like not. I would cease being a useful (laughs) employee. If if I didn't like a situation, I would just kind of like instead of ghosting, I would slow fade, which is that I would just like.
1: (laughs) I'm in favor of that. My duties. I'm generally in favor of like let them keep paying you. Yeah, Until no, you're gonna point. bother. <laughs>
4: I will say the one time I fully ghosted a job was in college. I worked, um, I had I always also before like I became a person, basically like when I started working full time for Betches, that's when I became like a full-time employee of anything. And then mm-hmm. when I left at full time be- at Betches in like 2018. I started to become like a full-time actor comedian on my own. But before that, I always juggled a gazillion jobs. Even in college, I would have a gazillion jobs. And one of my jobs briefly was calling people and asking them for money, which is a terrible job Uh that every university has. And I did it for about... I would say maybe a month. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was in my college apartment and I was making a fake jet pack for my annual birthday space party, which I would have <laughs> every year. And it was themed. Um, the theme was what you or someone, you know, would wear to space. And um, I was building a jet pack and I my phone went off to say I had to go to work and I saw it and I was like, I'm not going to go. And I'm also never going to go again.
2: And I just... <laughs> 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 <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> I just come Is it like, did like, you... Actually, I quit.
1: Did you start to feel the relief of letting yourself not go? It's like, and then you were like, oh yeah, no. I, now that I've experienced this moment of not go, I can never go back. It
4: was a huge moment because like prior to that, I think I always... And I talk about this a lot in my other podcast, The Rose yeah. of Your Teenage Self. But I was a very... I was always very nervous to like break rules or make anybody mad at me. And so the thought of like quitting and doing it in like a bad way was something that I was like, you can't do that. What will the university of Delaware do if I don't show up for my calling?
1: And
0: then when
4: I did it, and they literally never contacted me once. And I eventually just got my last check in the mail and they seriously did not say, I never got, they <laughs> yeah. didn't say shit to me about never showing up again. I was like, oh, I can, you can actually do stuff like this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a lesson that everybody learns at some point where yeah. it's
4: like, yeah. I mean, if you have a more important job, you can, yeah. but
3: well, the thing is like life um, moves on. You know, I, I'm very easy to read, like my face and my facial and my, I guess my attitude, which is like, <laughs> I guess good or bad. But I think that maybe subconsciously I'll ghost and like start disassociating and maybe my bosses can tell. I, yeah, I like rarely quit things like, um, I've quit some jobs like where it was so bad, but I had something else lined up. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I rarely quit things like, um, But I I ghost emotionally and I think like and, and, and stop showing up and they can probably tell and they'll just fire me. But I think for me, this is a huge lesson now that I'm learning, like, in my comedy career, you know, um, there's definitely can be a scarcity mindset of, like, if I don't say yes to this, they're going to start basking me. If I don't try to do this, like, even though I know it's not a good fit or I know that it's going to be bullshit, like, I'm scared, like, that, you know, I'm not going to have another opportunity and people are going to forget me and all that stuff. And literally, like, you know, there was this one opportunity where I knew, coming in that it was going to be bad and I knew it wasn't going to be a fit and everyone I talked to was said it was dumb and then I did (laughs) it you know I did I'm like well it won't affect me that much and it really did like negatively affect my mental health and it was really bad in my therapist (laughs) you know so does your therapist say shit and like they mean it like sincerely but it's just so like she's like well maybe next time you can you know learn to say no and I'm like okay <laughs> fuck you but it's true like it is such a it is such yeah. a like a, a thing you know of like not saying no and not walking away but it is like you have to because right. you know I agree what with works.
4: that yeah. 100% like I think in acting and comedy I feel the same way where like when I was first getting into it I would take every single opportunity no matter how much how crazy it was or how little the pay was or how if there was pay at all, like I would do anything with like, you know, no, um, time constraints, this, that, like, I remember one time I, there was like a job that came through, like UCB used to send out like acting jobs. Um, a lot of them were bad. And I took one (laughs) where it was like, it was like 75 bucks. And I ended up going to a warehouse for like nine hours, no AC. They fake tear gassed me. <laughs> oh
3: my god.
4: <laughs> and I was like, that and is that torturing. was day where I was like, I can't do shit like this for $75. Like,
3: I know.
4: I was like, I gotta have more respect for myself than to be like sweated out and tear gassed for $75. Yeah. For a show starring a puppet? No. (laughs) No, we can't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was my, that was my next question, which like, I mean, you both have already touched on this, but when every job you're saying no to is like a a paycheck you're not taking. Whereas like, you know, I've never walked, like I've never had to walk away from something big because of my mental health, but I feel like I do it in like a more daily basis, weekly basis where it's like, I know sometimes I'm disappointing people, but I'm like, I simply cannot, I know myself and I know Mm. if I can't get everything done or done well, or I can't push myself one day. It's like, I just know that I, cause I've had like breaks before and it's like, I'm not going to go there again. Like I Mm. can't like during 2020 between March when the pandemic started and November 7th, when they announced that. Trump lost, I didn't like take a breath at all. Yeah. And after that, like my body, like my hair was falling out. And yeah. like, and I'll be clear, nobody was making me do this. I felt a duty to, like, mm-hmm. nobody makes me explain every single, like, even when we do like analytics meetings at Betches, they'll be like, you know, the stories, they don't get that, you don't have to do that many, like, it's, mm. <laughs> but I was, they don't really get a spot, like, it's okay. But I just felt like such a duty. A, we all felt so powerless such so to like have any power, but mm-hmm. yeah, by the end of that, I just was like, my body felt a way It had never before. And I was like, I cannot. So now I, I'm more like, I do say no to things sometimes and I can tell people are kind of like, she can't just do that. But I'm like, no, because if I don't say no, consistently then it's going to be like a big no down the line where we're going to have like a problem like if I can't like I got to do this podcast every day if we don't do this podcast we don't get like I have to so I have to manage myself in other areas to make sure that I can like show up here every day to avoid sort of a a big thing but the difference between me and you guys is that I earn a salary and like Mm. i you guys, every time you say no, it's a paycheck. So when did you get to the point, Elise? It sounds like it was in that moment. You were, when you were being fake to your gas that you were like, you know what? 75, I don't need the $75.
4: I feel like I did not get to the point where I could really start turning stuff down until the past couple of years. I would say the first year where I had left being full-time at batches, I did have a lot of that, like, I got to say yes to everything. Cause I got to, yeah. I got to make this freelance thing work. Mm-hmm. Like I made a really big choice to say mm-hmm. and that just was really supportive to say, like, I have all these other projects. I can see where my career is going. I can't also have a full-time job, but I, you know, let's figure this out. So I was like, I have to, you know, make this work. So I think I felt really like I do have to take every job like weird copywriting job weird this and that like there was a lot of like just strange bizarre like I was writing articles about like the like investment for like weird, just like trying to be like I have to make this work and then I think now that I do feel like my acting situation is a lot more established because I took I left my full-time job to invest in that. And I have more solid gigs there. And I now like I qualified for SAG insurance this year, which is like, Mm. it's, it's Mm.
1: like a really, it really changed the situation. So your leap, your Mm. leap of faith to leave a full-time job But I would
4: say, you know, it it took a year, a year and a half, two years. There was a pandemic in the middle of that. Like it was pretty crazy, but I feel like probably in the last year, I've been in a place where I can say like, I actually don't need that check or I don't need to answer this particular opportunity or whatever.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like, I'm still working on that right now. Like literally right now I'm in a place where, you know, I just had a gig and like, it just, it really wrecked me mentally. And like my hustler mindset's like, okay, what's next, what's next. But I know that I need a break like mm-hmm. I'm burnt out I haven't like had a break or had time and like you know I have it so that financially because I've made all these sacrifices because even while I was working these writing jobs I kept two or three jobs at the same time mm-hmm. while I was staff writing at, on tv shows I was working making memes for Netflix and always doing yeah. benches I love doing betches yeah but like Always keeping multiple gigs at once. Like now I'm in a place where I financially can take a month or two off, you know, which. It, it, it's really. I'm really having a hard time awesome. with because yeah. I'm like I'm having a hard time though because I'm like and it's like month off right but I'm still doing bitches I'm still auditioning and I'm still yeah. submitting to shows but well, that's yeah, literally, you're
4: doing stand up like yeah. and, and you're I'm doing, doing comedy like. so the only <laughs> thing you mean <laughs> is that you're working. yeah you're still
1: doing a ton of unpaid labor. Li- we pay you but mostly unpaid labor
3: <laughs> yeah no I get paid here but I'm yeah. saying like I'm doing things that I enjoy yeah yeah
1: and but you I are still, still working you're not just I'm taking a, I'm yeah. but
3: it's not like, I'm not like hustling for the three or four jobs, you know? And like, that's crazy to me. And it's super uncomfortable and makes me unsettled. But also I know that I need it because I'm so burnt yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm so like not healed from this, um, from this experience that I had. And I mean, that's just a new experience. And I think I've talked about this before on batches of like, women, you know, not to be like girl bossy Cheryl Sandberg, but like Women are conditioned to not say no, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or like it's bad to say no, and you're selfish. And I think that it takes like years to unlearn and then it also takes years to get comfortable, like you're saying, Amanda, of like it took that really difficult experience. It took at least getting tear gassed to like realize (laughs) like oh shit, yeah, buy a puppet (laughs) for $75. (laughs) Listen, I've done some dumb shit. Don't even get me started. I said no to like a catering gig or I, I fucking ghosted a catering gig to do this gig for BET and beat <laughs> fuck BET. And then like, oh, and the, first of all, the BET gig was a like, I was a bad job interview applicant where I didn't put my phone on silent and my phone kept ringing during the job interview. And they're like, can you put that on silent? I'm like, no. And then, like I was supposed to get like a hundred dollars for yeah. that job. So, you know, and I'm like, this is my big break, whatever. Fucking They took nine months to pay me that $100. And then when I finally got it, honey, they took the tax out. So $85 and 91 cents. Oh my God, the
1: freelancer song. Yeah, I just stopped babysitting. Like last year, I just stopped. And it was only, it wasn't even my choice. Like the kids got too old. Like I babysit these kids for, (laughs) for 10 years and the parents were always like, you sure? And I'm like, but then eventually, eventually I was like, I'm spending more on the cabs that I'm yeah. taking for convenience because I'm an adult and like I'm not going to take the subway at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, on a Tuesday. Not that there's that's a problem, but yeah, I I only. It's tough. Stop it's
2: to
3: really tough. Face. Exactly. In
4: my, in my early days, in my youth, I would be like on the train, off the train, uptown, all over. Never in a car. Ridiculous, pl- going all over just to like get little sums of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pick kids up and drop them off and teach them this and go around. And then like, <laughs> I worked, um, selling Broadway tickets. Oh, and I gosh. Worked, it, I've done a lot of jobs. I yeah. was always oh, yeah. running all over the place. I, I canvassed like- <laughs> for ACLU.
1: <laughs> canvassing, I, I had to quit a canvassing job once. I quit. I quit canvassing for Obama in two thousand eight because I was like, I worked all over the place for Hillary, and then Hillary, her concession speech, she was like, "You all, you have to go work for Obama, please." And I was like, "I'll do it for her." And then, yeah, after my second day of getting getting the door slammed in my face it's like I'm not going back but I feel like hearing hearing the quote I think it's originally an Oprah quote but no is a complete sentence like that changed everything for me I have I repeat yeah. that to myself all the time like you don't owe anyone an explanation no is a complete sentence I mean no. yeah is that easier to say than to actually practice do you think
3: oh it's hard for like work it's hard in relationships it's hard with family that you know that's just yeah. it. but it's important because you know, I mean, I think that people like people really look down on aging, like, oh, my God, I want to be young forever. But I'm like, no, I'm really like happy to yeah. be older because I know myself so much. And I'm like, I already know that, like, if I say yes to this, like, I'm going to be fucking burnt out or I'm going to be this yeah. or I'm going to be that. And then la So, like, I'm already doing that. And then that's when I can say no wisely, you know? Yeah, exactly. This yeah.
4: is good. 30s Um, is
3: great.
4: Yeah. My foot clicks now, but other than (laughs) that. Oh, my (laughs) knees, my (laughs) knees. Something's really wrong with my foot, but uh, (laughs) I'm
3: not really, like, I mean, yes, my knees make noise. (laughs) <laughs> and I have a stomach ache all the time uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I feel like what I'm living I can't even tell you what I was doing in my 20s like I literally have no idea me and my friends we'll call it the lost 20s totally. Like especially because I have some friends that I met when we were all in our 30s and like they'll tell me about past lives they've had and I'm like yeah like in my past life I was like a Japanese businesswoman. <laughs> <laughs> like, or I worked for different Japanese companies and like wore suits it was terrible but um but I I think I'm living the life that I thought I was gonna live in my 30s like I thought like yeah everyone's gonna have their own apartments we're gonna go out to dinner all the time and no everyone was broke and like having sex with terrible people and now we all like can go out to nice dinners. And, I know like, it is so out. silly
1: that in your 20s, you're like, is, is this the right path? Is this the right direction? It's like we sort of st- started getting this at the beginning, but like, I think I've like a job is a job. You're going to mm-hmm. be jobs are miserable. Work sucks. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to if you have a job, this this is the way capitalism works. Companies exist like they don't make a profit unless they exploit you for more than they pay you. So it's always going to be annoying. this brings me to sort of my next um, question because all all three of us sort of do things like our jobs rely on our brains our natural curiosity just the things that pop into our head and so I find it hard to take the advice of like your job is not who you are it's okay don't worry about the criticism don't worry about the lack of success it's the criticism is not criticism of you it's of the work but those things are sometimes the same. How do you guys like, how do you manage that? How do you apply the advice? Cause AOC talked about this recently on, um, on an Instagram story specifically about when she was a bartender and that's how she really learned. Um, I'll quote her not to work for 100% of your satisfaction in life. It should not, and cannot come all from your job, no matter how great or how hard your job is. Um, so yeah, how do you apply that advice to like, keep some distance When Mm. your work is so close to like who you are and it can't help but always feel personal?
3: Well, I think like, you know, I'm Buddhist. So like... I there, you know, in Buddhism, the goal is like, you can't seek anything like happiness outside of yourself. So it's just like, in a work in a relationship in money, like it just that doesn't exist. And like, I tried to have that philosophy in that thing of like, nothing's going to give me joy outside myself. It is difficult, though, because you do tie your identity. But at the same time, I think of it like this of like, comedy is like, you know, you're never, like, where I'm at now is where I wanted to be five years ago, but I'm not where I want to be right now, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's always going to be a thing, but it's just, like, enjoying life in general between that, and as much as I love comedy, like, it's just something that I also realized, too, of, like, I never want to get to the point where I can't, like, go out with my friends or enjoy my life, like, go on a vacation or do stuff or like have fun, you know, like that my entire yeah. life 24 seven is comedy. Cause that's just like not a good balanced life. You know And I'm not really getting the value out of, or, you know, that's yeah. personally for me. And I think, yeah, I think that, you know, it's all about for, yeah, I think for me, like it's, it's trying to get that balance. It's trying to get that joy. Um, yeah I don't know I think
1: I feel like that's also an age thing like after 30 years oh. like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what I do because there's exactly. other stuff there's other stuff in life
3: well that's totally just in marketing too like that is like a value system of millennials of like versus like boomers and gen xers of like you know boomers before it was like your success was measured this is like marketing 101 like You know, success was measured in things house, 2.5 kids, nice bags, nice shoes. Millennials are very much about. Experiences and there's many things that contribute to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's a you know it's because the housing market shit and it's like tartar and then student loans and stuff. So we can't like buy houses and do that stuff easily, but we can like go to a music festival and Instagram and like basically make it so that we're all jealous of each other. Is like you know oh go on vacation oh travel oh this oh that like that is more of a status symbol yeah. than like having a nice house or not having roommates and stuff, you know. So mm. like. In in that thing, very much is like, yeah, I want to be able to experience and live life, um, and it is really it is really difficult to manage when your like identity is like, uh, am I good at this? Am I a good comedian? Like right. other people are booking all these things, I'm not. You know, it's really difficult. And you know, one more point before I stop is like, which I lost it as I was talking. Whatever, <laughs> but like, there are other there are other people like everyone's on their own path, but like, yeah, Yeah. like that was a conscious decision of like, I saw people who, you know, quote unquote made it before me. They got their first TV writing job or they acted on this big thing, like way before I did. And I was, I would beat myself up like, Oh, they're better than me. And then I kind of look at their life. Sometimes they have rich parents, which is a whole other thing, but other times, like a lot of times these people like. you know they were like eating shit like like living sleeping on people's couches not working just 100 percent like in comedy auditioning whatever and like and then they made it eventually but like on the path like they couldn't go out to dinners or they couldn't go to a concert and and I'm just kind of like resigned with myself like okay well I'm not gonna make it as quickly as this person but like I'm gonna enjoy my life you know Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go on a vacation and you know it sucks that I have to work a day job but I also like can go out to eat or I can like buy this nice dress or something like that so those are things too that like those were values that I kind of made reconciled with myself of like I'm gonna make it no matter what but like it's okay if it goes a little slower because I want my life to be rich in this certain way
1: Yeah, I'm so glad there's been a little more suspicion of like the grind lately. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I I had like a similar realization at one point, just dealing with the same stuff, like comparison being like, oh my God, this person is younger than me and came up so much faster than me and like, uh, whatever, whatever. But then there was a point where I took a step back and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe in this time period, I didn't like get this writing job or whatever. But I did- meet someone and build a relationship with them and fall in love with them. And now I'm getting married. And that like took time and energy and effort and like Mm -hmm. work. And a lot of people who come up super fast or like give so much to their job, they're not able to do that. And maybe if I had been more singularly focused on my job and stuff, I wouldn't have been able to like give this relationship the time or notice that this relationship had the potential or what ever, you know? And like, that's a
1: form of success too. Yeah. And now I feel like, I know this is really like heartwarming, but I feel that way too. And it's like, I feel a lot less connected to my job because it's like, I'm very connected to it, but I'm like, if it went away, I would have my relationship and I would still have a lot of amazing things in my life because I worked at one point to build those things, maybe at the expense of like something else at at the time. Like, I know I've lost compute, like a couple of years ago, I would like apply for jobs and they'd be like, we're looking for a rock star who's good at everything. And I'd be like, I'm not a rock star. I'm glad finally people are like, I don't want to be a fucking rock star. This is my job. Why do I have to be a rock star? Why do I have to rise and grind? You pay me to work 40 hours a week. Fucking descriptions that are
4: like, we need a ninja who can... (laughs) And it's just like, no, you need someone with a bachelor's degree. So why don't we cut the shit? (laughs) And honestly,
3: do you even need somebody with a bachelor's degree?
4: Really, like honestly, are you going to check if I say I have one?
3: Um, one. Yeah. I mean, and also for people who don't have a relationship. (laughs) How do you find meeting beyond
1: work, Millie? How could you
3: possibly?
4: (laughs) I'm just saying for me. No, no, no. I, I hear what
3: you're saying too, for sure. And yeah, I think that it's also like I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think that that is a that is a good point. And there's value in different things. And it's also like I've gotten to a point where I've, you know, cultivated a lot of really great friendships. And, you know, I'm just going through a really difficult time in my life right now. And it's just really nice to have all these friends supporting me that I can go do things and go out. But like that took years of, you know. You yeah. know, it's not also just about that's
1: labor too.
3: Like we we frame this is a perfect
1: sure. perfect ending for our Labor Day episode. It's like you're all describing labor that we've been putting in over the past fifteen years to make our lives what it was, and that did not apply strictly to the jobs that we had. Like the yeah. effort that you're putting in, it does accumulate and it matters.
3: Yeah, of course, and it's again like you know, it could be like going out it's like going out for like a friend's birthday or going to do another comedy show or doing this or doing that. And it's just like, yeah, like I'll always, you know, like it's the, it's all about balance, you know, for me, at least that's what I try is like, yes, I want to be, you know, extremely successful and stuff, but you know, life is not about, you know, when you die, this is like a, kind of paraphrased Buddhist quote, but it's like, when you die, no one's going to remember how much money you had or anything. It's just how you made people feel. Mm -hmm. And I try to remember that too, of like, I want my life to be, you know, relationships. Um, You know, I want to be comfortable, but I also, Mm -hmm. yeah, like I want to see and do things too. Yeah.
1: I also feel like the past like five years have so democrat- democratized like entertainment and media that anyone can become famous and go viral at any time so it's like today wasn't my day maybe maybe it's tomorrow like maybe the traditional the traditional paths are not there which the kind of free-for-all I don't know makes it a little easier to just let the chips fall
3: well um you know anybody can be an influencer now Every, like I you know there was like a thing of like 20,000 people, 22,000 people oh, in America yeah. have 1 million YouTube subscribers. Like, it's just so much more of a, like, There are there's less gatekeeping in that way, you know? Yeah. So that's really cool. Well, yeah. I
4: mean, and Millie, I'm sure you remember this, but when we were first coming up in comedy, to make a sketch video that anybody watched, like, you would have to, like, literally... someone would have to have like an expensive camera you would have to hire someone with an expensive camera it would have to get edited yeah and a lot of like a lot of people who were successful in sketch at that time were people who had a lot of money and resources like I remember like my my Mm -hmm. improv team we would always try to make videos and we had such a hard time getting sound like it was just like and like it was tough and then people who like Either had access to that kind of equipment because of work, or bought it for had money to buy it for themselves. Like they could rise to the top, and I just think it's so interesting to see now in this TikTok era. Like mm-hmm. it's all all of that is moot. I mean, you could spend money to make a sketch
1: if you wanted, but now right. it's like, you could also just do nothing and go viral on yeah, TikTok. Yeah, like, you can do so it on your easier. phone.
4: You can do it on your phone to like throw together a video, and I think it's enabled so many, especially like like you see so many good creators of color and like women and all of this stuff, like people who have been traditionally kept out of just like production Mm -hmm. and knowing how to do production on their own. Like Mm -hmm. they've risen to the top of all this, like the front facing comedy videos, Twitter comedy videos, TikTok comedy videos. Like once it was democratized Mm. and you could see who was actually the funniest. Guess who, (laughs) guess who it is.
3: Yeah, I just also want to say, before we finish, meritocracy does not exist. No. It is not no. a thing. Yeah. And I'll, I feel like a lot of the gatekeepers of before will say it is a thing, but it's not. It's And bullshit. when you
1: realize that, I feel like work becomes a little, I think when you're younger, you assume that all of your bosses are amazing and they're better. Like, there's a reason everybody gets where they are. And I've had yeah. enough jobs by now. It's like... You, Things like things settle into place for a lot of reasons. And because mm-hmm. these people are the smartest people to be doing that, are not always it. So like when you have questions, ask questions. When you want to push back, push back. These people are not, these people are Sometimes not God. Like no one else from, wants like, that all, yeah, it was all women in Andrew Cuomo's office, and I people probably should have pushed push them a little harder. That is our time. Thank you, gals, for this conversation. Happy Labor Day. Until the end of Happy democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman.
4: I'm Elise Morales.
1: And I'm really chemist. And this is the Betches SUP Podcast. Bye. 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 The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman,
0: Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social
1: media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com.
2: Betches.